Hey, Tori. What's up, Francesca? Not much. What are you drinking? I am drinking a spicy margarita. Overdid it on the spice. This is based off of a prompt from the line, let's fight it out, baby. In my mind, the tequila and the jalapeno are fighting. (laughs) In your mouth. Awesome. Today's poem is um, a poem by Jericho Brown. Jericho Brown is a poet and writer from Louisiana, and he is currently a professor at Emory University. His book of poems called The Tradition won the 2020 Pulitzer Prize in poetry. This poem is called Another Elegy. And then in parentheses, this is what our dying looks like. That's the first line. This is what our dying looks like. So another elegy. This is what our dying looks like. You believe in the sun. I believe I can't love you. Always be closing, said our favorite professor before he let the gun go off in his mouth. I turned 29 the way any man turns in his sleep, unaware of the earth moving beneath him, its plates in their places, a dated disagreement. Let's fight it out, baby. You have only so long left, a man turning in his sleep. So I take a picture. I won't look at it, of course. It's his bad side, his Mr. Hyde, the hole in a husband's head, the O of his wife's mouth. Every night I take a pill, miss one and I'm gone, miss two and we're through. Hotels bore me unless I get a mountain view, a room in which my cell won't work and there's nothing to do but see the sun go down into the ground that cradles us as any coffin can. This poem is stunning. I love it. It reminds me, and this is such a weird comparison, but we talk a lot um, in some creative writing nonfiction courses about braided essays. And for some reason that rose to the top of my mind when I read this, I think just the concept of this relationship dying, the son, the professor, and all of the different imagery that comes along with all three of those really stuck out to me. Um, Also the title of the poem, and I think maybe just because we have fairly recently talked about Joshua Bennett and an ode, Last week, we talked about um, Elizabeth Bishop and a villanelle. Elegy is another type of poem. It's a poem, I think, usually written in response to the death of a person. In this case, it's, I believe, he says another elegy, which I took to mean an elegy for the professor and also an elegy for this relationship and maybe in turn almost an elegy for some aspect of himself. I like that you said the braided essay because I think that Jericho Brown has kind of invented at least one poetic form, which I think he calls the duplex, which is like this repetitive, it's like a sonnet mixed with some other forms. And he really does play with repetition and rhythm and sounds like in his poem, in his poems. And this one, especially like you're right, those themes that come or those images that come up again and again and again, they are like a braid. It's really got a great rhythm, which is um, just for anyone not seeing this poem, it's visually all just sort of one, there are no stanza breaks. It's all just one sort of stream. Um, The lines are very short. That being said, I feel like the breaks in the lines are really intentional. Francesca, I know that you had mentioned um, discussing 
the way, um, or maybe what those first few lines mean. Um, this is what our dying looks like. You believe in the sun. I believe I can't love you. I thought that the break there, so it breaks, you believe in the sun, period. I believe, line break, I can't love you. I found that really interesting because if you take just you believe in the sun, I believe as a line, it almost seems like he's second guessing what the you in the poem believes, which in a relationship, you feel like your beliefs sort of align with the other person. And then you bring on to that other line, I believe I can't love you. And it's sort of, if you believe in the sun, I believe I can't love you. We both believe in things ending. The sun sets, if I don't love you, this relationship sets slash ends as well. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. That I can't love you. I didn't, I didn't think of those both as kind of endings. That's great. And then it leads us really well into always be closing, said our favorite professor. That's like that, like my association with that is like always be closing. Like it's like a sales thing, right? Like always be closing your deals. Um, But it also feels like the lines are always closing. Like Tori was saying that lines are super short here. Like they're always ending. And it's also this thing of like always be ending. Like things are always ending. Um, the sun is always going down and there is this kind of imminent death here, even though he's only 29, there's like this sense of we, you have only so long left. Yeah. I was really interested in the always be closing line as well. Um, my background is in creative advertising. I was a copywriter and I was like, Whoa, hello. Heard that before. (laughs) Um, and it's interesting that that was what his, their favorite professor said, the you and the I, their favorite professor said before he let the gun go off in his mouth, because then always be closing, which could be a literary instruction, which could be a sales instruction, is also like a finality of sorts for their favorite professor's life. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about is the sun, this role of the sun in the in the poem. And you kind of, kind of I think, nailed this idea of the sun representing the kind of the constant closing, like the, the death of every day. Um, and there is, I feel like this really thin line between life and death in this poem. There's, you know, the professor is talking right before he lets the gun go off in his mouth. Like the mouth is both the site of like something very alive, like saying something, and then also the site of the death. Um, there's the turning in your sleep, which feels like, you know, the rotation of the earth, like the day beginning and ending. Um, and then there's this pill that comes up at the end, which, um, I mean, I, I have an idea of what the pill is, but it could be lots of things. Um, any pill that you need to take to stay alive, whether it's like, a, it's a medication for your physical body or like a mental health medication. Um, there's this pill that lies between life and death. It seems miss one and I'm gone, miss two and we're through. Um, and then, and then there's the final moment of the, the sun going down into the ground, like that line of the horizon being a line sort of between life and death. What do you make of let's fight it out, baby, besides a jalapeno margarita? Mostly the jalapeno margarita, but also, okay, this is not something that I had really concluded before this conversation. I I had noticed the always be closing, the let's fight it out, baby. 
even the sort of um, more removed versions of common sayings, like the um, really gorgeous image of him turning in his sleep and like the earth shifting beneath him. There are these sort of images that I feel like, or sayings or sort of commonalities that are thrown out in language that he brings into a new relief. And like, let's fight it out, baby. Seems like that's something that like, sort of like an always be closing, um, sort of like these, even like Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde, like those references are used a lot. And so saying let's fight it out, baby is, there's almost a superficiality toward it. Like he doesn't actually mean it. He's saying it because it's what's said and not what's meant. And then when you sort of go down the lines, his bad side is Mr. Hyde. I sort of glossed over the Mr. Hyde bit originally until considering it in the context of these other lines. And when we think about the you and the I, there's, this is me putting a lot on this poem that is not necessarily there, but when you think of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they're two sides of the same person. I don't know a ton about that. I just only know it from the, like the um, colloquialisms around it. I don't know a lot about the story, but you could almost look at it as like, we're two sides of the same people, his bad side. I'm turning in my sleep to present my bad side. I don't know. There's something interesting about that. And then bringing it back to the let's fight it out, baby, whether it is two different people in a relationship, which I think it is, or even let's fight it out, baby within myself. Um, I don't know. It's really cool. And I just like, I like, I don't know. Baby is being addressed here. And we hear you in the poem. We hear our favorite professor, second person. It isn't addressed to the second person, but then this time it's you is baby. And yeah, it doesn't, it almost, and maybe I'm wrong, but it almost doesn't feel sincere. It's like, yeah, let's fight it out, baby. Like you're saying something sort of like snarky at the end of a fight. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's great. I I never thought, but I think you're right that there is almost the sense of like, it could be two people or it could be one person. Like, I don't know. And I, I was kind of trying to decide whether or not to bring up the fact that the pronouns shift, you start with you, you have only so long left. Okay. You let's fight it out, baby. You have only so long left. That seems like he's talking to a romantic partner. And then the romantic partner, I think he says, so I take a picture. I won't look at it up close. It's his bad side, his Mr. Hyde. I think that's still referring to the romantic partner, but we've switched from second person pronouns to third person pronouns. And that happens like in poems or in songs, like you're allowed to do that, obviously. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I couldn't tell if it meant anything here, but it does kind of add to this sense of disorientation of like how many people are in this bed? Like, is it just him? Is it him and a partner? Is it him and a partner and a you or him and a you and a he? And, and then we add in the husband's head and the O of his wife's mouth. And it's like all these bodies lying next to each other, which like, to me, I'm like, and now we're in a graveyard or something like there's like, there's like this addition of like more and more sides of people or like ways of dying or something turning over in your sleep. The, the hole in the husband's head, maybe even the O of the wife's mouth is like a sort of image of death. I just really went off there, but. um, No, I think you're right because I go like to death and also just time reading that little bit again. He turns 29 the way any man turns in his sleep. We go through it and let's fight it out. Baby appears right after that. That could also be like him fighting it out with time. So it, it, and which would also make sense with the like images of, you know, death. And I think that's why like my head immediately went to that sort of 
braided essay bit. It's amazing to know that he like sort of really like invents and like works with and plays within like poetic forms because this does in some ways, my, my brain works in very organizational ways. I, when I see a pattern, I'm like, Ooh, latch on. Um, but it's really cool how I'm now finding even like more layers sort of within it. Yeah. that Yeah. And, and it is actually like, like there are literal layers too: sun, bed, earth, like sunset uh, coffin, I guess. Like, so we're actually going deeper and deeper as we go through the poem, or maybe it's like, I don't know, we go deeper and then we go back to the sun and then we go deeper and then we go back to the sun. Um, but there is a kind of like sinking feeling there. No, I think actually I hadn't noticed, but you're right. I, the sun sets throughout this poem. It's, this is what our dying looks like. The sunset, we go into the night and then it ends with presumably we're in a hotel, whether we've been there the whole time and there's nothing to do, but see the sun go down that cradles us as any coffin can. Maybe, yeah, I guess maybe we come in and out and it, in and out, but it seems like we go from like sun to night to earth to beneath the ground, which is really interesting. Yeah. And then just like the way that um, he weaves the professor's death with the dying of the relationship, whether one sort of begets the other is almost not relevant. Like time is, as we've just realized with the sun's saying throughout this poem, time in this poem is sort of hard to grasp. Um, we don't know when these certain things are taking place, but that sort of makes it all the more impactful because it's all happening in an intertwined way. And we don't really know if there was an impetus or what, but we know what the dying looks like. We don't necessarily know exactly why there is a dying. There might be an implication with the, his bad side, his Mr. Hyde, but we go right to the hole in the husband's head. So that death and the death of this relationship are just sort of inextricable. And and when you're talking about the timing, like there, it is like these cycles of like the sunset, but we don't know when anything is happening. And we don't know when the professor died. We don't know when these people are together. We don't know when he really has the hotel room with the mountain view. I mean, or even if he does, or if that's just an idea of something, but every night I take a pill. That line really like sticks out to me as like this thing of like every night, two things happen, the sun sets and I take a pill. Right. And it's like every night we're getting closer to death, but also like every night I take a pill to, to stay alive longer. Um, there's something really interesting about that. And then the pill, of course, is the, the, oh, the, the hole, the head, the coffin. I mean, the grave, like lots of circles, the earth, the sun. The order of the pill is interesting to me. Every night I take a pill, miss one, I'm gone. Miss two, we're through. The eye in the poem leaves before they're through. And I don't really know what to make of that, but I, and it also could just be like, because of the great wordplay of it, um, gone off is the slants off of one, two, and we're through rhyme. And it, there's something like a little bit like punchy about that as well. Like, I don't yeah. know what it, it almost reminds me of like, like a, not a nursery rhyme necessarily, but like miss one, I'm gone, miss two, and we're through. Like, I don't know what that is either. Like I, I wondered about that too. Cause it seems like it should be miss one and we're through miss two and I'm gone. Like that the, breakup of the relationship happens before I'm gone, which feels like death or something. Um, 
I think knowing like Brown's biography, I assumed that to be HIV medication, um, which would make sense why we're through like intimacy becomes dangerous if HIV medicine is missed. But Miss One and I'm gone, I don't, I don't totally understand that. And that made me think almost as some kind of like, I don't know, I take anti-anxiety medication and like, it's like you miss one and like your head's somewhere else. Like there's, there's like a, a way in which like that kind of medication could be, is, makes you like almost gone from yourself temporarily. There, yeah. The me going, whether it's emotionally, mentally, and it might be emotionally, like you believe in the sun. I can't, I believe I can't love you. It could be like, almost like the pill is like a metaphor of some sorts, but I'm not sure. I think that's what's so cool about this poem is that I don't like, not that I need to know in any poem, but I was like, I just like appreciate the, like the play on the language. And like, so much of this poem is a wink and a nod between the I and the you sort of having fun with language. Like he's having fun with it, even though it is sort of like, it's a grim poem. Yeah. Agree. Um, And there is, it is for such a short poem, like you really picked up on how many kind of idioms or like, I don't know if that's the right word, but like, like kind of little sayings are in here. Always be closing. Let's fight it out, baby. Even though miss one and I'm gone, miss two and we're through. Like there's all of that. And then there's also like really strong poetic imagery. Like uh, he moves from a lot of different subject matters really quickly and really, really gracefully. Like it's a, it's really a rich poem. Um, it is. I I turned 20. I've mentioned it a hundred times. So clearly this line is like, but I <laughs> turned 29 the way any man turns in his sleep, unaware of the earth moving beneath him might, might be one of my like most favorite lines that I've read in a long time. And I also really like how it closes. What do you think about the hotel or the hotels in this? It's a good question. Um, he talks, I feel like a lot of Derek O'Brown poetry exists in a space that's been like cut off. Like he talks a lot about places where there's no cell service or TVs, um, like that there's like this isolation. Um, the mountains get back to that idea of like rising and sinking to me of like the sun. Um, For me, the mountains you, the sun would disappear behind the mountains. So the sun would set, there'd be a premature ending before the sun is fully set on the, like, if you were in a flatter place, like on the horizon, if you were looking, watching the sun set over the water. So that was interesting to me. I don't know if it signals like a self-destruction or like it, it at least implies like a proclivity to premature endings, which I found really interesting, especially given that the professor in this poem prematurely ended their relationship with the sun dropping behind the mountains, that seems like a premature ending. Damn, I did not get the premature endings. That's so good. I'm a very literal person. So no, that's like, excellent. That's so good. I, like, I also be able to see the sun fully disappear. <laughs> oh, you're right. Like that's why, like you gotta read closely like that. That's really good. Um, I didn't realize that. I was like, the sun will just go down into the mountains. Like, and it'll be like an egg yolk. Um, also, bore me. Hotels, line break, bore me. Like, you bore a hole. And so, th- like, that kind of brings me back to the, the hole in the husband's head. I don't know if that's there or not, but I did, I did think a little bit about the possibility of there being, like, another hole there. 
Um, do you have anything else you want to say about this poem? I'm obsessed with it. There are so many like good lines in it and it's, you can take it holistically. Like it's, we talked about like the colloquialisms a lot, I feel like, but also like the really, really rich imagery and you can sort of take it in pieces. You can take it as a whole, you can breeze through it reading, or you can like dissect every single like line break. I am obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with Jericho Brown. Love this one. I'm going to read it one more time. Another elegy. This is what our dying looks like. You believe in the sun. I believe I can't love you. Always be closing, said our favorite professor before he let the gun go off in his mouth. I turned 29 the way any man turns in his sleep, unaware of the earth moving beneath him, its plates in their places, a dated disagreement. Let's fight it out, baby. You have only so long left, a man turning in his sleep. So I take a picture. I won't look at it, of course. It's his bad side, his Mr. Hyde, the hole in a husband's head, the O of his wife's mouth. Every night I take a pill, miss one and I'm gone, miss two and we're through. Hotels bore me unless I get a mountain view, a room in which my cell won't work and there's nothing to do but see the sun go down into the ground that cradles us as any coffin can. Tori, what are you reading? I am reading, well, as we've mentioned, Francesca and I are in the same book club, so we are both reading Shuggy Vane. Uh, I also just finished Giovanni's Room, which um, if anyone has not read it, James Baldwin is a genius. It is the best book ever. Francesca, what are you reading? Um, I'm reading Detransition Baby, which is so good by Tori Peters. And I really didn't think it could be as good as everyone said it was, but it's so good. And it's so like unapologetic. Like it's, it's, first of all, it, it's about transitions of like all kinds. Um, but it's also about being trans and it is not written as an explanation for cis people. Like, it's just really like honest in this way that I really admire and is making me think about how to not explain or apologize in my own writing. I think it's great. Detransition Baby is very, very high on my list of next books to read. And that endorsement just bumped it up. So join us next week on Sharpen Your Tongue. And don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon, where we post lots of fun bits and bobs and have cool discussions. www.patreon.com slash sharpen your tongue.